see. Hey, welcome to the Thundercast. I am your host, Connor Sanders, joined as always by my man, Kelton Jacobson. We're back here for another week of SCU Athletics. Uh, Kelton, how are you feeling right now? We, we we had to take the week off last week because of all the cancellations and basketball yeah. games and things. Yeah, I was a little sad. I was a little sad, but I'm excited to talk about the Weaver State games uh, for uh, SUU as well as uh, what's coming up this week. So Yeah, I mean, definitely disappointing to lose those games against Idaho State. Both the men's and women's teams forced to cancel. And actually news coming out uh, just this week that the men's basketball team will have to cancel uh, their scheduled games against Northern Colorado, but the mm-hmm. women's team will get to play. Uh, maybe a chance for SU to reschedule and play somebody else instead uh, because there are no COVID cases among their program. The cases came at UNC, so something to keep an eye on as the week goes on. But the women will travel to Northern Colorado after that big week against Weaver where they went 2-0, and uh, but the men will have the week off. Let's talk about the those Weaver State games. Let's, let's start with the women's team who picked up a 77-68 to win uh, over the Wildcats in the America First Events Center. A uh, big game for Liz Graves, who had 21 points, and Dari Franson also had 18. Uh, Shreya Doherty with 11, and Kinsley Barrington off the bench in 17 minutes had 10 points. Uh, what did you think of the performance, Kelton, or what, I guess what are your takeaways from uh, this series with Weaver State? You know, I, uh, I, thought, I thought Liz's quote at the end of the game in the postgame was, was pretty pretty telling like yeah. she was she was visibly upset yeah she was not happy that that weaver state was that close now weaver state was winless at the time i'm pretty sure they still are um so you know you you hate having a winless team kind of give you a run for your money there at the end because we were there we were kind of biting our nails a little bit yeah i mean the first half they jumped out to a double digit lead it seemed like they had the game well in control and then Weaver State just clawed their way back slowly throughout the second half. I mean, SU won the game throughout. Like, they led wire to wire. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we were, especially just through the post, they just kept pounding inside. And Corey Penser had an insane game. I think her her career high before this game was, like, 13 or something. She had 21 points. And she's a, she was a good player. She she could shoot. Yeah, so, she I mean, really we were shoot. through everything they had at SU. So, it's not – I don't want to – disparage SCU too much but you're right I think that they were kind of disappointed by their execution in that game um, and they were able to I mean they didn't I don't know if improve is the right word but they they got a second win against Weber in Ogden in double overtime 76 to 74 mm-hmm. uh, big thing that stuck out in this one was just SU's ability to get to the free throw line uh, Shreya Doherty had 24 points and Liz Graves had 18 Eaton with 12, Maria Satini with, I think that's a career high of 10 points, and Dari Franson also had 10. Uh, it seems like a seven-man rotation is really emerging uh, yeah. as, this, as the season wears on for Coach Sanders. You got your starting five of Doherty, Graves, Satini, Franson, and Eaton, and then Kinsley Barrington and De La Belena, uh, Belina, excuse me, both averaging about 15 to 20 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, De La played 26 minutes in the game on Thursday, and then just 15 in the game on Saturday. So 
I mean, Coach Sanders obviously gets other players involved, but it seems like those are her kind of core seven that she really trusts. Yeah, and it it's working um, so far. I I think uh, Kingsley in particular, and I and I feel like we've talked about her a couple of times on the pod as has really emerged as as a really nice go-to option on the offensive end. I mean, she doesn't really miss from the mid-range. Yeah. So that's been really, really nice to see. And then uh, Dela has, has shown that she could um, facilitate, not only facilitate the offense, but also hit the deep ball. Um, I found a stat yesterday that I actually found just astounding is that she's only hit six threes on the year, but I feel like yeah. she's hit a lot more. I mean, every time she shoots, I'm like, oh, it's it's going in. Um, wh- one of my big takeaways from from that Weber State, that second Weber State game in particular, was uh, Sharita Darty. Um, yeah. 24 points, seven rebounds, four assists, two steals. I mean, she, she really filled it up, um, showed that she was – she she can be a go-to option. She can take uh, a game into her own hands. Um, and and you mentioned Connor their their free throws. They went twenty for twenty one, or twenty mm-hmm. of twenty one in that second game on Saturday. Uh, in that second overtime, all six of their points came from the free throw line. So that was really telling as well. And and hey, if a team's going to foul you down the stretch, you got to make your free throws. And NSU does that. On a regular basis. Yeah, Sharita's one of the best free throw shooters in the conference. Uh, she played 42 minutes in that game. So it just shows you, I mean, physically the amount of work that took. Like Matt Eaton also played 46 minutes in that game. Yeah, which... yeah. Connor, what do you think about that? I mean, Matt Eaton, she is not uncommon to see Matt Eaton play the most minutes of the night. I mean, I don't know. I understand that she's not shooting the ball as well as she did last year. Even in this game, she was only 3 for 13 from the field. But she also brings a lot in terms of just know-how. I think Coach Sanders trusts her a lot Mm. to not make the wrong play, especially in a tight game like that one where, I mean, Maddie had six turnovers. It's more than anyone else on the team. So that's not really the best argument to make. But I think she definitely has basketball IQ that is one of the highest on the team and knows where to be on defense. Yeah, I'll agree with that. That's that's true. and she always has that threat, right? You never know if she's going to hit mm-hmm. three. If she hits three threes in a row, like the game is swung in your favor. And you sure. know that at any point she can turn that on. So I understand why she, she gets the run. Maybe you could argue that Dela, given how much she's improved, even just halfway through this her first year, uh, might deserve more of those minutes. But honestly, the thing is after Dela the T-Birds are pretty thin in terms of guards. guards. Like Sam Johnson gets a lot of minutes, uh, well not a lot of minutes, but she gets those kind of fourth guard minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, has, she's hit a couple shots, but and just physically uh, still has a long way to go. So I think that probably has a lot to do with it sure. as well. Um, but I mean, you have four really good guards on this team, so it's not like they're really short on depth, but I think that that's why we, we see Maddie playing so much. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think she's a... A pretty solid defender. Um, she usually, I, I don't, not usually gets tasked with the best player, but she's usually chasing someone around pretty consistently. So I, I, I think that's a huge part. Um, now that I asked that question, now that you you gave you know your your thoughts on it, I think uh, her defense probably is what's keeping her on the floor. Yeah, I, I, it's tough to say. Obviously, she brings a lot of other things, but I think in terms of just where to be, she's always in a good spot. And that's, you can say that as well about Rudy Satini and she played 38 mm-hmm. minutes in that game. So mm-hmm. 
Uh, that's obviously a high priority for Coach Sanders. Now they take on Northern Colorado this week, who uh, one of the best defensive teams in the Big Sky, a very solid um, in terms of defending the rim and, and forcing opponents to take shots they don't want. But this this could be a good chance for SU to, to really test themselves against a, a more solid team. Uh, Weaver is still winless on the season, so they still have a long way to go uh, in terms of proving themselves. And playing those two close games against a team that's 0-11 on the season, that's why Liz was so frustrated. But now SU 2-2 two and two in conference play, 7-4 and four overall, so... Uh, building upon a really successful season last year, UNC six and six in conference play and seven and ten overall. So, going on the road for this one never easy. But uh, if SU could pull both of these games or go one and one, that would move them a long way towards qualifying for the conference tournament. Oh yeah, yeah. And the Bears they're they're a good defensive team, like you say, Connor. Uh, seven and ten overall on the season. They've played actually the most games in. Uh, Big in the Big Sky Conference as, as far as women's basketball is concerned. Um, they're really led by their uh, sophomore, Oisha Davis. Um, she's averaging a double-double on the season, 14.7 points, 10 rebounds. So uh, she's she's going to be a big presence down low. Um, I know SU had uh, a struggle against Idaho with uh, Beyonce B., um, down low, so yeah. hopefully we can make those adjustments going into the game against the Bears going into Greenlee. Yeah, I think that'll be a, a fun one to watch. I guess you just need to get going on offense. And They had like one quarter against Weaver. They only scored six points. You can't let that happen against right. UNC. But I think that they won't. I think they'll, they'll lock back in, I'm sure. I feel like when one of the teams is playing and the other one isn't, it almost is like a I got to carry the torch or whatever, and there's kind of like a an extra chip on your shoulder that you know that everybody's going to be watching you that night. Mm-hmm. So tune in on Pluto TV this week. We'll, we'll see how they do. I think SU well on their way to another successful season. Been difficult. Uh, six and one at home and one and three on the road. Lost so many games from COVID, just like yeah. everybody else has this season. So we hope they can can build on this and just a chance. We've talked about this all year, but just the chance to play is such a special opportunity now so best of luck to the team as they travel let's talk about the men's basketball team whose games against northern colorado were canceled but the men got a big win against weaver state in the america first event center on saturday uh winning 77 to 72 uh, which was a very fun game but it was a follow-up to a pretty disappointing performance from the tebers they lost 91 to 67 on thursday uh, we're outscored 47 to 27 in the first half, and just were never able to get back into the game. Mm-hmm. So, I I thought that was really just co- two completely different performances, like two different teams basically that we saw um, from Thursday to Saturday. SU just playing with a lot, which is a renewed focus, uh, really locking in defensively. And in that second game, Mason Fawcett was fantastic in the first half, scored I think 21 points. In the first half, when his career high was only 23, coming into the game, finished with 24. Uh, and then Harrison Butler, who came on in relief of him after he got into some foul trouble, finished with 18 points on 5 of 10 shooting, including grabbing a couple rebounds and getting a couple of steals and a block. I thought both of those guys, we always talk about SU kind of being transfer you, and you have all these guys that <laughs> have, have transferred from other bigger programs. When you, when you look at it, it's the two hometown, well, not hometown, but the two you know, 
homebred uh, recruits that that end up making the difference in that big game. Yeah, that was that was huge. Um, of course, you you gotta you gotta tip your cap to Damani McIntyre as well. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot about Damani. What a play! What a play at the end there. What a play. That was such a nice play. He he gets the steal on Isaiah Brown. I mean, Damani, he played three minutes in that game, but what a move by Coach Sanders to say, hey, I'm going to put my, my defensive juggernaut on on this kid yes. who's bringing Weber State back into the game because SUU had a 10-point lead in that fourth quarter, or excuse me, in that second half. And, uh, and, and Weber State, they clawed their way back. And actually, didn't they take the they lead? Did take the lead, yeah, late. And uh, so, what a move by uh, by Coach Simon. I I think I said Coach Sanders earlier. Yeah, Coach Simon. You did. <laughs> um, uh, what a move by Coach Simon to put uh, Damani in there and and say and and yeah. lock him down. And he just he did it. He just did his job. Yeah, you're, you're good, man. I, I think Coach Simon in the post game was talking about you know everybody has to be ready, and that's kind of a cliche. I think you know. Because, you know, Kingsley Box is not going to – he doesn't have to be ready, you know. But, but Damani definitely has a role. Mm-hmm. And this is where the those extra efforts in terms of recruiting really shine through. I mean, that, that won the game, uh, getting Damani to come here two years ago. Yeah. And to take a, a backseat role and not have – you know, not go play at some D2 school where he'd probably be the best player on the team – uh, that ends up winning you the game in this game where he, he gets the steal. Um, I think Tevion Jones had four of 11 three-pointers in the game at 17 points. It's basically just the stat line for Tev every time, four of yeah. 13 from the field, <laughs> a few rebounds, uh, a few turnovers, a bunch of free throws. That's just that's Tev's game. every game for Tev. But I want to point out, and I just wrote a big piece on John Knight the third and on Moody, so I got to talk about these guys. But John Knight had played 38 minutes in that game only took six shots got to the free throw line a couple times had six rebounds eight assists and two blocks i mean it's not to disrespect john in any way by saying that he shot too much last year but this kind of selfless role that he's taken Mm -hmm. on where he just is looking as as a facilitator and as a rebounder and as a defender Matt, that has really changed uh su's trajectory in my opinion you let you let tev take most of the shots uh, let Mays and, and Harrison Butler kind of do their thing on offense. Uh, and then, obviously, I mean, obviously he does a lot in terms of facilitating, but just locking in on defense and, and letting the other guys kind of do the shooting, I feel like that role suits him really well, almost like a like a Ben Simmons type thing where he just yeah he gets to the rim, gets to the free throw line a bunch, um, and then just finds teammates in, in good positions to score. I feel like that uh, that was the next step that he needed to take in his game. We always talked about it being the outside shot, and I don't think that that really no. was ever it. I think it really yeah. is it's his ability to to distribute and get other players involved. I I love his assist numbers uh, this season. I'm I'm trying to pull up the the total um, that he has on the season, but it's far and away better than uh, what he was averaging last season. Um, this season so far, he's averaging. Uh, 60 or he has a total of 61 assists um, so that's an average of what uh, five assists a game pretty or about four and a half assists yeah. a game so just an excellent excellent mark for him um, and, I, and I couldn't agree more you know he was held scoreless in in the first game against Weber um, but really that second game he came out and and I, I loved his dancing around at the end of the <laughs> yeah, game. You and could tell it meant a lot to him. It, it meant so much to him. And and look, I got to tip my cap to Weber State. They 
are a hell of a team. Uh, they're a, a tremendous team. So, um, but I, I kept thinking about this over and over, Connor, and I want to get your thoughts on it. it, it SUU, I mean, if if the Eastern Washington series and the Weber State series is any indication, they kind or even and even the Idaho series, uh-huh. um, they kind of need like almost a full game to figure out what to do, and then they come out in that second game and they, you know, fix whatever needs to yeah. be fixed. And I'm worried that the, uh, the conference, conference tournament's going to yeah, come. Not going to be favorable to that. Yeah, you can't. You you don't have two games to figure yeah. them out. That's definitely true. I think, uh, I don't know. I feel like eventually, the the way that defenses play you, it all kind of becomes the same. Like everybody just kind of plays you the same way, and it it comes down to individual matchups. I think there won't be a real need to adjust, and I think SU has a lot of depth, so the conference tournament format should favor them in some ways. But I think that is a good point to watch: is how do they perform in the first game? I mean, even against Eastern Washington, they struggled in the first game and then uh I mean maybe struggle is not the right word but they they lost the first game and then the second game just played much better and were able to win that and even against Idaho that was the case as well mm-hmm. uh I want to point something out to you John has been a big game player this season scored 19 in the opener at Loyola 21 in, a, in the first home win over Montana 22 on 9 to 10 shooting against Dixie uh 21 uh and it was a nine rebounds or something against Eastern Washington in that big game that they won. So John has really stepped up in a lot of ways uh, this season. I think he's absolutely answered the call. I don't see him getting as much hype about being like a all conference player. I think he absolutely has to be in that consideration. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe well, who's to say what who the player of the year is? But mm-hmm. I think he absolutely deserves to be in that conversation. He's been fantastic. Um, and also, like I said not only in his output in terms of scoring, but he's had multiple games with 10 assists, with not with 10 assists, but you know above six assists, which I feel like last season was not really that big a part of his game. It's, it's definitely improving a lot in terms of just finding players in good positions to score. Um, so I'm, I'm really impressed with how he's performed this season. Maybe you haven't got the types of performances we expected from everybody. Uh, I think the benches has not contributed as much as we were kind of thinking would mm-hmm. be the case uh, coming into the season. But Coach Sanders, or Coach Simon has his established crew. He has his team. Uh, I think the rotation has basically set itself. It is your starting five of Fawcett, Jones, Knight, Marine, and Medunich, and then Harrison Butler, the first guy off the bench. Uh, Nick Fleming is a player I think Coach Simon trusts. Anand Moody is a player I think Coach Simon trusts. You go to Spurgeon when you're in emergency time, <laughs> when you just need to hold yep. down the, the post for a few minutes. And then I guess Damani is your, like, I mean, the you exact same stop. role he played. Yeah, yeah your you're offense-defense guy with Moody at the end of the game. So uh, that's a uh, – I named nine guys – or ten guys there, but I think it's really only – it's really yeah, only that, seven. That, that front seven, I would yeah. agree. I would agree with that. I know. Harrison Butler, Moody, Nick yeah. Fleming sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um I'm looking at SEU's remaining schedule. It, it, I don't want to s- jinx it and say it's favorable, but it it looks pretty uh, favorable as far as conference standings are concerned. I mean, uh, you got Sacramento State, um, not not next week, but the next, um, and then you finish up with NAU and then Portland State. So, 
those are three of the the bottom teams of um, the Big Sky Conference. So so SEU could finish on a high point there if those games uh, actually happen, which yeah. you, you're going to need to do because in the conference tournament, odds are you're probably facing Montana State, and we didn't get to see them this season. That game was canceled. And Montana State is on a tear right now. They're on a seven-game winning streak. Uh, they, they're they undefeated in, um, in conference play. So Montana State's looking really, really nice. And uh, I think SU could use this that momentum, uh, those those wins going into the conference tournament. Yeah, and it should be said too, the men will go almost an entire month without playing a game. Yeah, because they have these four games in a row canceled, uh, unless they get something rescheduled before they take on Sac State. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that Montana State one is, I think, the one you really missed uh, in terms of cancellations. Like the Idaho State. Uh, SU is going to go two and zero in those games. Right, Idaho State's not very good this season. UNC, I think, would have been a good a test. I think SU probably would have won both these games at home. Um, in Greeley, that might have been a different story, but at home, I think they probably would have would have taken care of business. Uh, but this little homestand they would have had also canceled. They would have had five straight home games that they would have played these two against UNC because they get the first leg of that NAU series at home. So definitely sucks losing these games, but at this point, not really much SU can do mm-hmm. other than just keep keep on trucking. Um, any other thoughts on the basketball teams before we move on, Kelton? No, I I just want to see him play again. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it will be a month. I mean, because they have like a, a bye week, you know. Yeah, next they, week. they finally have their bye week. So it, the last time they played was January twenty third. Yeah, January 23rd, and then the next time they're scheduled to play is February 18th. So it's a long time. Yeah. So I'm excited to see him play again. I It's going to be a long – let's see, th- today's the third when we're recording this, so it's going to be a long two weeks. Yes, absolutely. But we got the women's team to hold us over. We do. We Thank do. Goodness. And and the gymnastics squad. Yes. We're really starting to hit the, the full swing of things right now. Uh, gymnastics moved up to number 15 in the national rankings – Coach Scotty Bauman has the flipping birds flying on all cylinders last week mm-hmm. or the last few weeks. Carla McLean has been named MRGC Gymnast of the Week three weeks in a row. Yes. She's the first Heber to ever do so. Uh, scored 9.925 um, uh, and was named Floor Specialist of the Week for her performance on floor. And Shailen Murakami was named uh, the Bar Specialist of the Week after uh, a very successful performance against Boise State. Uh, last Friday. So number 15 for the T-Birds, and they take on BYU, who is number 12 this week. Yes. This, this this could be the best team that Coach Bauman's ever had. Oh, it's... They are strong in every single event. I mean, yeah, we can't talk enough about Carly McLean. Um, you don't become MRGC Gymnast of the Week by accident. Yes. she Every time she performs a routine, it it's just... I don't even want to say electric. It's just you're sure. You're sure that she's going to be the best one there. Yeah. And and she is. Um, shameless plug. I'm gonna have a piece coming out on on Carly this week, and I had the chance to to talk with her and coach, and and they're just like, they both had the attitude like, look, we're just getting started this season, and uh, this yeah. this meet against BYU, it's in Provo. The first one's in Provo, and of course in gymnastics, your road scores matter. Um, when it comes to the tournament. Now, um, SU went and beat Utah State in Logan, and that's 
I feel like that's going to turn in uh, to be one of the more important wins on the season. They beat them. Um, they lost to them the first time around at, this, at the best of yeah. Utah, but then they come back and beat them um, by about point what point four. Point four two five. Yeah, um, so I think that's their highest road score ever. It it is, it is their highest road score ever. And and again, you have your you you have your horses of Carly McLean and Morgan Alfaro, Shylin, um, Murakami, and then Hannah Nip has been performing extremely well this season. Yeah. So I'm I'm really pumped for this meet on uh, on Friday. I know it's in Provo. I'm sad it's in Provo, but the good news is. They're coming back down to Cedar the week following, um, and they'll take on the Cougars down here in Cedar. Yeah, that should be really fun. I uh, also want to just commend the gymnastics team for the amount of discipline it must take to have not lost any meets so far. Uh, as a bigger team than what the men's and women's basketball teams are, no cases. I, I don't. I don't want to blame the men's and women's basketball team or insinuate they have any fault in getting COVID. I mean, that's not. That's not at all the intention, but. There is a certain level of if, if you're just super diligent about it, um, you give yourself the best odds. And I know that this team is super, super serious about competing. I think Carly McLean is peaking at the right time. And there's there's something really too, you know, when you walk in the gym or on the field and you know you have the best player, mm-hmm. that just brings a whole new confidence mm-hmm. uh, to the team. And, and Carly McLean has been that. Yeah, I think she's going to probably be the best performer in the entire conference. So Coach Bauman and crew – are really pushing the baton forward. I think, man, MRGC is just stacked this year. They're a tough conference. And I think this year, I mean, they've got a good chance of sneaking that that title away. Yeah. Uh, maybe their best ever. Yeah, you you got to take you got to take at least one of the BYU meets. You got to take one of them. Um man, I mean, next week's going to be insane. People are going to be going crazy. Oh, it's going to be wild. Um but you got to take at least one of the BYU meets. You you beat Boise, you beat Utah. I mean, they beat Boise here in in Cedar, and it wasn't much of a. Well, I shouldn't say that. It it was a it was a pretty good meet, but I mean, I was I didn't get the chance to go, but I was watching it on live stats, and mm-hmm. just you saw the lead go up and up and up and up and up. So they're a confident team. I think you're right. Um, they're f- extremely serious. Probably the most serious team we have here uh, at the school. So. I'm I'm excited. That's yeah. all I can say is I'm excited. Yeah, and I feel like I say that too much, but they're number ten right now in terms of floor points uh, accrued. So that shows you how good they've been. Let's hit a couple of other SGU topics before we close things up here. The softball team picked to finish sixth in the 2021 Big Sky preseason polls. Coach Donna Williams has her team getting ready uh, for the season. The women's volleyball team fell this weekend uh, to the University of Idaho in their conference opener. Uh, they're back in action, I think, at home this week, yeah, against the University of Montana, Montana on Sunday and Monday, which should be interesting. And Andriana McKee's kind of stepping up as the team leader, well, not the team leader, maybe the co-leader with Stacey Hone, has already got 30 kills on the season. The women's soccer team kicked off, the, well, not officially, they had their first exhibition game uh, on Saturday of last week against UVU, lost four nil, but um, showed some encouraging signs with some new players getting some some good attempts on goal. Uh, so they they open their season officially next Thursday against Gonzaga, uh, which should be very fun. And they also get Dixie State a few days after that. So mm-hmm. the soccer team also soccer and volleyball both getting underway. And then also want to give a shout out to the track and field team 
who uh, headed back to Provo um, to take on BYU in another in another meet uh, for the second indoor campaign so far this season, the, the Collegiate Cougar Indoor Invitational number two. So best of luck to the squad as they, they, they go. And we've been talking, it seems like, since the start of the fall semester about how, you know, once spring got rolling, we're going to have all the sports going. Yeah. If you blink, football is going to start. And Here we will is. have, we will be in full swing. The football starts at the end of the month. I can't believe that. That's isn't that wild? It's Super Bowl Sunday, and college football is three weeks away for us. Is, is three weeks away. I'm, they're going to take on, let's see, uh, hasn't been determined uh, what time, but they are traveling. They're going to Flagstaff to take on NAU, but it's coming. It's yeah. coming, and we, we've been talking about it, Connor. We're like, how are we going to cover all these events? But uh, I, think, I think we'll be able to manage, but at least, hey, we got sports, and that, that right there is something special. Absolutely. Well... I think that's that's just about everything for this week, Kelton. Uh, make sure you read Kelton's piece on Carly McLean this week. I had to get that shameless plug in there. I yeah. had to. And if you missed my story on John Knight III and Anu Moody and how fatherhood has changed them, uh, make sure to check that out, out as well. Such a great story, Connor. Thank you. Excellent man. job. I appreciate that. All, all shouts to the interviews. That's all that matters. Uh, but, yes, we'll be back next week with more Thundercast for you. But for now, thanks for listening, and tune in next week for – for a review of the UNC games and to get ready for rivalry week. Or no, it's not rivalry week part two. It's it's Sacramento State. Sacramento State. It's and not, then that's not even week. next week. That's actually two weeks from now. <laughs> then it's rivalry week. We'll find weekend. stuff. We'll find stuff. We're always plenty to, to, to cover and talk about. But thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.